Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I'd like to welcome you to Lunatic Mondays, Lunes Lunaticos on CSMP, the Circle Century Network podcast. Today, I have a guest that I'm just dying to start talking with. Uh, we have Deborah Lip. She has been teaching Wicca, Magic, and the Occult for over 30 years. She became a Garnerian witch and a high priestess in the 1980s, and she's been published in many pagan publications, including The New Witch, Llewellyn's Magical Almanac, Pan Pangea, I guess, or Pangea, <laughs> and in various media discussing Wicca, including Coast to Coast Radio and A&E documentary, Ancient Mysteries, Witchcraft in America, television talk shows, and New York Times. She is the author of several books, including Magical Power for Beginners, and you can follow anything and everything about her at Deb Lip Author on Twitter. That is uh, at D-E-B-L-I-P-P Author. And I'm so thrilled and so honored that you're here tonight. Welcome to Lunatic Mondays, Deborah. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's so... Uh, Good to know you, and I am so thrilled that this book found its way into my hands. Um, we're going to talk, obviously, at, at length about this book, but you will appreciate this to my apprentices or whoever listen. I always tell them, you know, we divide everything into masculine and feminine because we are stupid, and we just uh, group things into those two categories, but they are so many others and so for me to receive this book and to learn so much about it it has been really uh sent by the divine but before we go into that um i want to learn a little bit, a little bit more about you and how did you encounter wicca how do you you know started practicing how did you start it well i i've been practicing for 40 years now so um we didn't have the internet. We, it, was, it was harder to find. And, you know, when I started practicing, I thought like I was the only one in the world that was still worshiping the old gods. You know, it was just me sneaking into the backyard at night after everybody was asleep with my candle. And um, then I found out that um, through a feminist newsletter, actually, um, that, that there were people who were practicing witchcraft and then I spent a few years writing letters on paper, you know, like we did in the old days, um, to try to find somebody who would train me. And finally, Drawing Down the Moon came out, and I actually, the, the first edition had contact information in the back. And that was how I started, was I found a group uh, through Drawing Down the Moon, actually. And uh, there was... Uh, uh, I wrote to a group in Long Island. They forwarded my letter to New Jersey, which is where I grew up and which is where I still live. And I trained with this group uh, for six years until I started my own group. That is awesome. That is amazing. Did your family had established religion or spirituality that you had to move away from? I, I, I grew up Jewish. Um, my mother is a very uh, Jewish atheist which is very acceptable, you know, in Judaism. I've even encountered atheist rabbis. And um, I'm actually still 
or actually newly involved in Judaism, like the past four or five years, I've become involved in Judaism again after walking away from it. There was so much that wasn't satisfying about it. And I wanted to find a place for the goddess in my life. But after having been Wiccan for all of these years, I found that I was able to sort of reincorporate Judaism as part of my second Saturn return. And um, that there is actually a place for the goddess in Judaism. So I've been practicing both religions with uh, a lot of passion. That is wonderful. And for some people that, you know, I myself also practice a couple of things or a number of things. And it's funny because people, you know, ask like, how can you combine them? How can you see them together? And I think, in my opinion, because when you see nature and you take gender, not out of the equation, but more as part of a sum of, of parts, uh, it makes more sense. Does that apply to you, you think? That after playing around with the gender definitions, it's more palatable, it's, it's easier to do both? Part of it was a gender thing for me. And I just realized we never mentioned the name of my new book, which is Bending the Binary. Of course, of course we're going we're to talking, We keep talking about gender, but it's called Bending the Binary, Polarity, Magic in a Non-Binary World. So that sort of relates back to what we were just saying. Um, for me, it was more about gender in terms of feminism, right? That that um, Orthodox Judaism is was very is still fairly oppressive of women, although there are powerful women's voices even within Orthodoxy that are trying to change that. But when I was a kid, there were no female rabbis, and so. Um, that I just did not see a place for for me as a as a young even as a, when I was 12 I was already identifying as a feminist so I did not see a place for me as a feminist in that um in that religion if they'd had female rabbis when I was growing up you know I could have become a rabbi instead of a priestess but it all worked out yeah and I'm glad it did because we need you. We need you here on the pagan world. And of course, the, the, the name was coming. Uh, for those who are wondering, we're going to be talking about bending the binary, obviously, polarity, magic in a non-binary world. And it's kind of implied of the various many reasons for which you have written this book. But not to be too obvious, I want to ask, what actually inspired you to sit down and write this book? This book has been in the back of my head for many years, many, many years. And I kept, I have somewhere in my files, five or six different outlines that are, that were going to be this book and aren't. I wanted to write about polarity because everybody talks about polarity. You know, when you do a Wiccan ritual, there's a priestess and a priest and uh, the tools have gender and the circle has gender and the elements have gender. Everything has gender. Polarity is super important. And the energy generated by polarity is considered really crucial. But, but other than like labeling everything and saying this is this and this is that and you need that for polarity, nobody really talks about it. So 
so part of of why I wanted to write it was just because I'm I'm queer and I wanted to explore what that meant for me as a queer person, but also like what does it mean in general? What is this energy? Where does it come from? Like why is it a part of occultism? And like what do you do with it? So so I just had a lot of questions. The people that I was encountering, even like the most heteronormative people I was encountering um, in Wicca didn't fit the stereotype of what this polarity thing was supposed to be. And yet the energy is there. You can feel it. You can experience it. You can be empowered by it. So I didn't want to just say, oh, polarity is stupid because I'm queer and I don't want to work with that. But I also didn't want to say what some people said back in my day, which is only straight people can do this. Mm -hmm. Neither one of those options were good. So I needed to write. This wasn't something like I've written books where I kind of knew what I was going to write. And then I wrote them. This was sort of where it was an exploration. This outline that I, uh, for my book, because I always start with an outline, was really a series of questions. I don't know what I'm going to find out, but here's what I'm writing into. Yes. And that was really exciting. It is really exciting. And it's, it is a great book. I obviously, I'm not going to give out the whole book, but uh, for those that can see the video, if we ended up publishing the video, uh, this has never happened to me on a book when I have a million little uh, marks on it because there's so much to talk about it. And I want to start by uh, sharing a shared experience because even within, like you say on the book, even within the queer community, there is that division of uh, binary, right? Or polarity. And I have the exact same experience that you did when I came out as gender fluid back, back in the day, it was gender fluid. Um, and I came out to my bisexual sister and lesbian niece and I say, I'm gender fluid, I'm queer. And I got the same answer like, oh, you're one of those, huh? That is not sure what you <laughs> want to do. You just want to waste the time of lesbians. And as I came out of the closet, I went right back in because, you know, there is that polarity thing. God is, is changing now. But um, the very first definition, one of the very first definitions here in the book that I love that you talk about it, I didn't know it had a name. I call, I usually call it stupidity. <laughs> I didn't know it had a name that is gender essentialism. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what that is? Well, gender essentialism is the concept that certain qualities are inherently tied to gender, that women just are this thing and men just are this other thing, that it's just it's just nature, not nurture, basically. Women are maternal and loving and giving and men are strong and I don't know, it all seems very silly to me. And there is also gender essentialist feminism, which is people who identify as feminists, but oh, women are better and if women ruled the world, it would be better because we're soft and cuddly and I don't know what we are. If you had met my mother, you would give up that soft, cuddly thing right away. <laughs> like that is not what the women in my world are. But that so gender essentialism believes that certain qualities are inherently tied to 
gender. And honestly, none of us are raised like in a box. None of us are raised without culture. So we have no idea if maybe some qualities are um, tied to gender. We have no idea, separate from culture, but it's not that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. You know, women are from Earth and men are from Earth. And at most, there's small differences that we can tease out. We do know that there's some brain shape differences and stuff, but you meet somebody and you, the only things that you know about them if they're, if they're women or men are maybe something about their upbringing and the way people treat them. Yep, absolutely. Another thing that I will think with the feminist uh, movement and gender essentialism is um, the trying to move to the other pole, right? From patriarchal misogyny to, you know, only feminist and only as they call it, I don't even want to say the word, but women that were born with a vulva um, is also a way of repressing. You know, it's also a way, it's, it's a system that has been held to repress the non-binary people and the transgender people, you know, and it doesn't work. And like you said on the book, when you are holding one pole or the other, and it can only be black and white, you're missing the richness of the third, uh, and the third is creation, you say here in the book. Tell us a little bit about that for some of us that didn't know it had a name. So when we talk about polarity, think about the globe, right? There's a North Pole and a South Pole. And the fact that there are these two poles implies, necessitates really, that, that the whole world is in between, that there's an equator, that there's a whole globe in between. And when you're working with, a, with polarity energy, you're not just working with the poles, you're working with the energy exchange as you flow from one to another. And in Wicca, traditionally, you describe gender as an act of creation, right? Goddess and God have a child, right? And that child is nature. It's all of us. So, so we understand that fertility is a polarity concept. But it's not the only polarity concept. Um, energy moves constantly back and forth. Like in the Kabbalah, one of the core polarities is force and form. So we know that if you know anything about Kabbalah, you know that chokmah is force. And that's just this pile of energy. And that's amazing. No creation can happen without energy. But, but if you just have force and you don't have form, then then you're just like a kid with ADHD bouncing off the walls going, and, you're, and there's nothing happens because, because you have to have a container to put your force in. That container, Bina, is form. And if you just have form but no force, then that's just a container, right? It's like, it's like you have the car and you have the gas. You have to put the gas in the car in order to go anywhere. So... It's only when these two poles come together and create a third that, that real um, creativity can happen, that creation can happen, that magic can happen. And it turns out, and this is what is so exciting to, to me, is that 
the intention of polarity magic going back thousands of years was always to bring the, the poles together and erase the difference between them. Mm-hmm. It was always queer. Yes. It really was. Yes. And that is so exciting to me. It is. It is. I love how you speak about the alchemy and how that was like a libel for you, kind of like coming out as queer as in breaking down whichever pole and breaking it down to this, this minute parts and then bringing it together as in I am Deborah, I am this queer woman, right? And how I was understood then and how we have misunderstood now and it has become a place of comfort to just say everything is masculine or feminine. Now I don't know if you are aware of this Deborah, but in Spanish everything has gender. In the language of Spanish, everything has gender. Like my glasses are feminine or they could be masculine if I say it in a different way. And this uh, white out also has a gender and the coaster and the phone. And so I think that in magic, we have just grouped everything as one or the other. Like you say, we don't live in a vacuum. We live on a cultural society. And this idea of um, you're either one or the other. So women and femme cannot have qualities of assertiveness or uh, force or uh, projection, right? Which is very limited as well as uh, like in Wicca, you talk about here in the book about the Lord and Lady as being complementary, And this is something that I've been talking about for decades your better half, your better half implies that you're not complete. That is such an offense, in my opinion, to humanity. You know, it is just too much. <laughs> yeah, if you're each complete, like a marriage can be very polar, but you're each complete, and then you come together and you create the whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. And like that's that can be very beautiful. I mean, like, because I was 51 when I married um, my professor spouse. And so, you know, she and I had each already lived, you know, really, our lives were, were set, like we weren't going to turn into new people. It was different, you know, when I married um, my late ex-husband, because we had a baby, we bought our first home together, you know, those are things where you feel like you're creating a new life. But, but when you get married, like it's my crown marriage, when you get married at 50, what you're doing is you're, you're bringing your existing lives together. And that's different. And, and that's a different kind of polarity. You know, and it's and it's very magical. And we're about to have our tenth anniversary, and we're very happy. Uh, so I'm not complaining. But but I I wasn't half a person when I met her, and neither was she. And I don't think anybody is. I think that is a concept that, again, in my opinion, is reduce reducing people to uh, even infantilizing people. You know, like you're not complete unless you have this magical partner. I love that you call them uh, 
your uh, professor's post throughout the book all the time too. Love that. She yeah, well she you know, she teaches she teaches college and she doesn't really want her name used, so she's Professor Spouse. I, we we love her for that and then that she's on the book all over the place. This book, um what I have I have to add this parenthesis. English is my second language for those who haven't noticed. I'm Mexican from Mexico. And it's hard sometimes to read books, especially when books are so deep and uh, rich on concepts. The way you write, though, Deborah, is so beautiful. And I don't know if if anybody has ever told you this. I'm sure you have heard it before. I'm not sure if you heard it from a bilingual person, but it takes me forever to read things. I read your book in three days. Oh, because thank you. It was just like, and what's next? And what's next? And what's next is just so beautiful. The way you write is very, very um, familiar. I feel like I know you, you know, after reading the book, like, oh, like I know this person, they're wonderful. So you also talk about the sacred marriage a lot and the Eros Gamos. And I love how you, throughout the book, you talk about the protons and the neutrons and, and, and that tension of going towards each other and not that one is on one end and the other one is on the other end and they're both like, I don't care about you, but it's, it's that tension. Um, explain a little bit about that. And because I know you talk about that in the book, but tease us a little bit about so it. I, if, you, if you look at like, a lot of the writing in the early 20th century, they always have this analogy, oh, it's like electricity. So I'm like, all right, I don't know anything about science. I'm going to look up exactly how electricity works and how batteries work and what, the, what this thing is. So um, the way a battery works is you've got um, some kind of chemical reaction that is causing electrons to be released. And you've got protons on one end and electrons on the other. And um, electrons are light, are the, they are the negative and actually negative and positive is completely meaningless. It could be type A and type B, but electrons are negative and protons are positive and electrons are lighter. So they do all the moving and the things that are the same electrons repel each other and things that are different protons and electrons attract each other. So the electrons start moving towards the protons. Well, movement is a form of energy, right? Kinetic energy. So that movement is where the energy is. So what you do is you stick something in between the movement, right? So it doesn't matter if it's your electric toothbrush or if it's your vibrator or whatever you're powering, you're powering it because of that movement, that rush towards. And then when the electrons reach the protons, they neutralize. They're done. They're not rushing anymore. They're now, they're happy. They're satisfied. They go, ah. So, so then you excite more electrons and they move more. And then eventually your chemical reaction gets used up and then you have a dead battery and you get a new battery. So how does that work magically? Well, so you could do it with gender or you could do it with force and form. You could do it with active and passive. I have a bunch of different rituals in the book. So you can experiment with different kinds of polarity. But what you do is you sort of replicate that same thing. You keep the poles apart and you let them move towards each other to create energy. 
And there's two basic ways to create energy. One is to keep them apart as far as far apart as possible, as long as possible, so that when they come together, bam, wow, it's amazing. That's one way of doing it. That's very powerful. The other way of doing it is actually how most of us who were taught in traditional Wicca were taught, which is to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So if you're doing a gender ritual, like a man hands something to a woman, and then she uses it, and she hands it back to the man, and then he uses it, and it goes back and forth, back and forth. So you're constantly going polarity, 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 polarity. And that is all. equally as effective. It's more steady as a rhythm, right? You're not, you're not peaking all at once. It's more like you're building it up, like a drum beat that gets a little faster and a little faster. So you can continue. So, so that is really kind of the same as the electrons and the protons. And you can continue to work with that, that polarity concept if you were trained in it um, and you don't have to use gender. Um, or you can, you know, sometimes in, in my coven, we'll just say, well, a priestess and a priest. And, and, you're, and, and, and that'll be like the label for the polarity. And it doesn't matter what the gender of the person who is the priestess is and the gender of the person who is the priestess. What matters is that there's a priestess and a priest creating polar energy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When I, um, some people know, some people, well, you don't know because we don't know each other yet, but uh, we're getting to know each other. I also teach tarot and, and magic. And when I teach people, I always tell them, you know, insert the disclaimer here. The disclaimer being when we talk about energy. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Some water if you need. Um, I tell them when we talk about gender, masculine, and feminine, we're not talking about sexual expression. I'm talking about things that have been grouped as masculine, things that have been grouped as feminine. And you have provided me, thank you personally, a different language, you know, to talk about form and form, uh, force and form or date and night, that that uh, part, that chapter of date and night, I love it. Um, you talk so much about the liminal and, and, you know, I don't wanna give out the whole book, but folks, you really need to get this book. Um, but there is one part that really struck me as this needs to be talked about. And if, if you don't mind, I'm gonna read a tiny paragraph. Thank oh, you. please do. It says here, um, <coughs> saying we are all one, this is part of the self and other polarity. And this, I mean, I even put the little mark on top because I wanted to remember to read this. Um, saying we're all one, or difference don't matter, no matter how well-meaning. It's also a kind of erasure. It is ignoring polarity. This isn't really polar. Doesn't actually do anything toward connecting the poles. Connection happens through acknowledgement of differences and celebrating them. Electrons racing towards protons rather than being repelled. As an immigrant fat, queer vegan witch who has been told time and time again I don't see color I don't see fatness I don't see gender people don't understand that you are erasing me in particular and how many of us have been othered which you talk about beautifully on this book 
And I love the words that you used to say, you know, when, when, the, when we don't recognize it, it's erasing it. So you cannot do, and I agree with you, you cannot do away with polarity. You cannot do away with this concept. It needed to be reimagined. And I think this is the perfect time and you use the perfect words and examples to talk about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, some people, thank you so much. I mean, some people are gonna, I practice almost exactly the way I did before I did this work on polarity. I just understand it differently. It's like, um, you know, you can still practice. I, I was raised very traditionally in Wicca and I still practice this from the outside. It kind of looks the same, um, except that almost everyone in my coven is queer. We have our token straight people and we love them. Um, but, but to the outside observer, it could look like we're, we're practicing a traditional polarity, but our understanding of it is, has got this depth to it now that it didn't have before. I mean, even if, if you are the straightest person who like ever straighted, you were taught polarity and you weren't given tools to dive deep into it. So my hope is that, that everybody can learn to understand this energy that we were all taught about, but we weren't given all these tools. I was trained in Wicca. I was not trained in Kabbalah. I was not trained in alchemy. I was not trained in the golden dawn. And these are the roots of a lot of what we do. And it's just so transforming and so enlightening and so eye-opening to do a little bit of study. And, and by the way, like I know that those are all really difficult concepts. Alchemy is designed to be difficult. That is part of alchemy. There's actually some Latin phrase in alchemy that to the effect of, oh, this is a secret and we're messing with you. Like it's part of alchemy. Um, so I try to keep it as simple and as straightforward as humanly possible. It is beautiful. And for those, we haven't, I haven't touched on the fact that the book is divided on three different and three big sections. And on the first section, which if you don't want to practice, if you don't want to integrate this into your magic, if you don't feel like you, this is for you, read the first part because she really breaks down all of the things that you mentioned and you, you, you didn't dumb it down. You, you're not talking to us like we're little babies. Uh, not that babies are dumb either. But you know, uh, the, but their language skills are limited. Their so. language skills are limited. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, same goes for some of us. You know, I had not zero understanding of Kabbalah. I find it incredibly complicated, and I used to think that it was very masculine and patriarchal. You know, because of course, when you don't know something, you don't know something. And then the way you break it down of the, with the two poles, and then the center being the third, is like, oh, of course, this makes sense. So the first part, she breaks down everything. She explains everything. She explains the roots of everything. And then how we have gotten so comfortable to just call everything masculine and feminine. And in this day and age, when we are having the language to explore, to explore uh, binary, non-gender non-conformity, uh, asexuality, et cetera, 
that is just doesn't work anymore to divide everything into masculine and feminine. So on the second part of the book, she breaks it down into a million of different polarities. And that's where you get your uh, passive and active dominance and submission. That was very fun to read day and night. Uh, and then at the end, you go back to gender polarities. But before we go into that, I love that you have all these rituals as well, that you recommend how to create the rituals. Do you think one has to be like very advanced to get into the rituals or you think anybody can actually? I, I think anybody can. I also have journaling and meditation exercises and that if you're not ready to just sort of dive into ritual or not all of the rituals work for a solitary. So if you're solitary, you know, that's a way to sort of get started because people don't like to just read books. They, you know, it's natural to want to experience that book, you know, and to experience those ideas. So the journaling and the meditation is a way to get your feet wet. And then I do think lots of people, maybe they're, maybe they're just beginners. Maybe they already have a ritual group. Maybe it's a ritual group of all beginners. People get together, you know, on meetup.com and they meet other beginners and they start trying to figure out how to practice. This is a great creative way of exploring, like, what is this experience? I'm a big fan of ritual, right? My first book, Elements of Ritual, um, is really a deep dive into how to do Wiccan ritual. And, and I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of looking at you know, there's right ways and wrong ways to do rituals. There's zillions of right ways and there's some wrong ways. Wrong ways are the ones that you don't feel any energy and it doesn't feel good and you walk away feeling like, what did I bother doing that for? And I think that if you've been around a while, we've all been through rituals like that. Like where that wasn't fun, you know, I could have watched TV. So we don't want those rituals. So when I talk about ritual, I do create technique to help you have empowering rituals but a lot of ritual is is going to be based on like that feeling right do the experiment feel what the energy feels like it worked for you it didn't work for you if it didn't work learn from it and don't do it that way again and and so Every beginner does have that power to have that experience, to do that experiment. And so the rituals in bending the binary, many of them are experimental. Many of them are try this ritual and see what that energy feels like. And then go journal about what that experience of that energy was. Did you learn from it? Did it feel like gender? Did it feel different? Did it feel like you know, did one pole feel more natural to you than the other? Like, go back and look inside of you and ask those questions. Exactly. I find it so liberating. And I, again, appreciate so much the language in which you break everything down. And for those who are being curious, you need to bite the book. Uh, force and form, self and other. I love how you talk about community and self and deity on that chapter, uh, passive and active, that is not depending on what you were assigned of as birth, at birth. Uh, then we have dominance and submission, night and day. And when I was reading 
night and day. Of course, my wheels were already turning um, because you also talk about, you know, like bringing props and bringing tools and et cetera. And I was just bringing, thinking about uh, people carrying uh, like a sun flag and a moon flag and moving around and then the people in the community be like the tides or, you know, kind of like the, the wave that we do on, on the soccer games, you know? And, and No, that sounds nice, yeah. You know, feeling the pull and push of the two polarities because I have a foul mouth. I just think it's lazy to label everything as masculine and feminine, you know? And it takes but a minute to reframe things because not all of us cisgender women are loving caring nurturing and you know mothering some of us are just not naturally that and we have other qualities that ought to be honored and respected you know and then of course she goes um i love that section three was not <laughs> part of the book but it was born at, out of necessity so um tell us a little bit about section three so yeah, actually some of it was just like, my editor was like, really? It just seems like the book just ends. Like you didn't like tie it back together. Now, what do I do with this? Now, how do I, like basically, all right. I just learned in section one, all the historical and factual information. And then in section two, I just explored all of these different polarities. I explored them. Um, so I go into like, uh, what are these energies? How do they relate to ritual? How do they relate to the gods? How do they relate to human psychology? Like, you know, what does it mean to be passive and active? How does society view that? Um, what gods are passive and what gods are active? Um, you know, I get into like a whole exploration of each polarity, what other polarities are similar. And then, then there's the ritual and the journaling. And then in section three, it's like bringing it all together. What, what is there in section three? Like, what do you do next? How do you do magic with polarity? Um, and I include sex magic also because everybody's curious, you know? And um, also how to deal with like the people in your community. So maybe you're part of a Wiccan tradition that says that, you know, men are men and women are women and, and there are rules, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with maybe you're part of a of a of a, a ritual group in which everybody's like, oh polarity is a lot of bullshit because it's all about gender normativity and that's not who we are. Um, how do you go about like introducing the idea of polarity to that group? So what do you do next and how do you use polarity that's what that's what i did with section three and at first i thought like really it was just going to be like a one-page conclusion and my editor came back that is the thing about llewellyn honest to god is that they have some of the finest professional editors i cannot speak highly enough about working with them because writers are are only as good as what we're doing you know um, we're sitting home alone in front of our computer, but an editor just turns you into a real professional. And I am very appreciative of somebody taking my book apart and saying, you know, you didn't do this quite right. And, and having an opportunity to be better. And um, so what we ended up with because of my wonderful editors was this ability to say, 
what am I doing with polarity now that we're done? Um, and some examples of magic that you could do. Like I said, including sex magic, because everybody's going to ask if I don't put it in the book. Yeah. And not only she had sex magic in the book, but she also has uh, BDSM magic and the polarity of dominance and uh, I forgot, submissive. <laughs> Submissions. Of course. So, yeah, but, uh, but there's definitely BDSM magic in there, but dominance and submission also, I, I included that polarity in a ritual that has nothing to do with BDSM. So, because look, dominance and submission is a real polar energy in life. We experience it all the time. You have a job, you have a boss, one of you dominates, one of you submits. That energy moves in your life all the time. So there's a BDSM ritual, which I think is really fun. And there's a, a completely unrelated to BDSM ritual for that polarity. Yeah. And then a beautiful sexual ritual that I love how you speak about the energy and the breath and the connection. And that's all I'm saying. So people can come and explore on their own in the book and then in person, if you feel like. And last but not least, I want to say, uh, and also the charts, and there's also charts, and all these charts uh, are broken down, so you don't have to go back to the book and do like I did to flag everything, but uh, to find at the end of the book, the charts, and then the room to add your own definitions of polarity. This is really a gem that we needed in our practice as pagans, neo-pagans, or P-world practitioners. And I'm glad that you wrote it. It definitely feels like a labor of love uh, for our community to survive and to get off this divisiveness. That's all I'm gonna say about that. There is room for everybody. There is room for everybody. Uh, Deborah, is there anything I haven't asked you that is paramount that we talk about uh, regarding the book? Um, where can you get it? You can get it everywhere. Um, yeah, so it's definitely, it's a Llewellyn book, so they are very great with distribution. Um, I do plug bookshop.org, which is this lovely organization that contributes to independent booksellers um, every time you buy from them, because it is available on Amazon and not everybody wants to contribute to Amazon destroying the world. And I appreciate that. So I always let people know it's available other places. Um, however, book sales really depend on Amazon reviews. So if you like the book, even if you didn't buy it on Amazon, please leave a, a little review. It could be five words. You know, this book is not terrible. And, you know, be sincere, be honest. If you hated the book, say that, but, um, book sales really do benefit more. They, they show it to more people if it has more reviews. So as an author, any book that you love, give your author some love by, by writing that little review. Thank you. Thank you for telling us that. And uh, we ought to go. And I always say, you know, go to your local witchy shops and if you can get it there and then go to Amazon and review so you can help the author. Um, and, and ask them to carry it. Ask them at your wishy shop to carry it. That's how they know that you're interested. Yeah. You know, people love, you know, especially small independent shops, they love interacting with their customers. It makes them happy. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of uh, shops, 
I, uh, yeah, I'm not that good of a psychic. I asked her before the show started. Uh, I know you're coming to our, to our uh, favorite shop in Chicago. Tell us a little bit about your visit and what's going on. So, um, Setting the Binaries with New Llewellyn. I also have um, two books coming out with Cross Crow Books. So I will be at Malloway Brothers on April 14th. Um, and there will be uh, other events in the Chicago, greater Chicago area all that weekend. So um, I will, they will be promoting it, obviously. And also you can read my website, DebraLips.com. I blog all my events. So I always update uh, my blog with what the upcoming events are, upcoming podcasts like this one, um, links to archives. Uh, where I'll be. So I will be at Malloway Brothers in April. And then in May, we're going to be doing some other events. They're not final yet, but there's probably going to be one in New York City and one in Salem and one in Philly, because I live just outside of New York City. So all of those are easy uh, drives for me. Like, like Salem is, I don't know, three hours and Philly is two hours. So I can, I can do all that. And so if you're in any of those areas, just watch my blog and watch my Twitter and my Instagram, and I will be updating you with all of that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Before we sign up, I want to remind you all to please um, sign up to CSMP, the Circle Center in Network Podcast. We have a page on Facebook, and we have over 900 hours of podcasts. We have podcasts such as Circle Talk with Deborah Rose, uh, moon oh my god now i have to blank on the blue marble uh so circle talk with deborah rose blue marble with deborah with uh charlotte bear we have paganos del mundo on spanish and portuguese with all kinds of uh guests uh podcasters from the whole world uh lunatic mondays obviously with yours truly and circle of nature with selena fox and there's a new show coming up. Stay tuned. Uh, over 900 hours of free shows that you can download and keep to your personal archives. With that said, uh, Deborah, it has been my pleasure to meet you, to know you, to know your work, to read your book. Thank you for coming to the show. And I just leave you the microphones so you can say goodnight to your audience. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, I do hope people love the book. I'm really gratified that you've enjoyed it so much. I wrote it because I wanted to make a contribution. So if, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you read this book and it contributes to your life, that's everything I could ask for. It really is. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And it truly is a piece of art. So remember that art is supposed to disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. So whatever you are in that polarity, or if you're the third, uh, read this book. It really is a must. I, I should say it really is a must. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I will see you in a couple of weeks for Lunatic Mondays. Um, remember, I don't do the Lunes Lunaticos in Espanol anymore. But we do Lunatic Mondays, the second and the fourth Monday of the week of Jesus. The second and fourth Monday of the month. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for watching. And until we meet again, you are loved. Bye-bye.
Good night.